Amen. Thank you, Graham. Would you thank the worship team this morning? Well, good morning. Happy New Year. You're like, yeah, Nathan, we got there three weeks ago. Where you been? So I haven't seen you since 2021. Um, well, it is, it is good to see everybody here. I, before I get going, would you just join me in a heartfelt show of appreciation to David and Ryan for preaching these last couple of weeks? <clears throat> I don't know if David's in here right now, but uh, many of you know, some of you don't know, David's dad has uh, been battling cancer for three years. And uh, David, when he preached on January 2nd, his dad was able to tune in uh, online, and he passed a couple days later. And um, as I sat with Ralph a few weeks ago, one of the things that jumped out to me was how blessed he was um, and has been through David's life, and I know we were blessed by David's preaching, and so thank you, David. Uh, and Ryan, um, Ryan last week, I just, I, I actually showed up here at 10 o'clock, but it was to drop off our daughter and like six or seven friends after a sleepover, and I, I just, I watched him go in, and I was like, good luck, West Bulls, I'm driving home, all right? Just unleashed the fury of a bunch of girls hyped up on waffles and syrup that morning. And so, you're welcome. Um, that was my service to the church last week. But Ryan, I don't, I don't know if Ryan's in here. I just giggled for like 15 minutes as you started your message. And so, uh, thank you for that. I almost lost control of the car. Um, so, appreciate it. Um, but David, a couple of weeks ago, he, he had us as a church look back at 2021. And uh, as we looked back at 2021, this theme emerged. As, as we looked at kind of the underlying thread underneath everything we talked about and did in 2021, and it was this theme of devotion, uh, which is very much a part of our, our mission. Connect with Jesus, connect with people, connect people with Jesus. And, and one of those uh, things that just has to be there to connect with Jesus is this devotion piece that he comes along and he gives us strength for. But we really took 2021 and we, we walked through different aspects of that. And then last week, Ryan, he had us look ahead individually at 2022 and say, yeah, what is, what is our, our new view of ourselves? Because many of us are walking around with a, with a different kind of view than maybe what God intended. And so today, um, I, I just want to kind of wrap up this three weeks of this thought of looking back and looking forward. And as a church, I actually want us to come to um, a resolution. I want to I put out there a resolution for us as a church to pursue together. But to get to that, um, I've got to highlight a passage that we often, we, we just kind of glaze over because there's something, there's another passage so amazing right next to it. Have you had that happen? Where you don't see something that's really, really good because there's something really amazing next to it. It, it happens all the time when I stand next to my wife, okay? I, she's amazing. And so people are like, oh, Kara, hello, hi, Kara. And I'm like, hey, I'm here. I'm here trying to stand in front of her. Or, or if, if you've ever carried around a newborn baby, listen, nobody wants to talk to you, okay? Because what are they focused on? The baby, okay? And then we discovered even more of this a couple of weeks ago. We got a puppy for Christmas, and I have to make a mental note. The next time I decide to take a couple weeks to rest, we're not going to get a puppy because there's been no sleep. Um, but when you have a puppy, nobody wants to talk to you, 
Like, we'll be out for a walk, and, and when people approach, I, I just sit there and I think, you're using me right now. And I actually don't care. It's a win. It's a win to be, to be approached. But this puppy, we went from this, our, our dog Max was 70 pounds of terror. And, um, you know, he'd throw my shoulder out as we'd go on walks. Now we have Alfie, who is all of 10 pounds. And we gave him a bath yesterday, and he is actually half the size of what I thought he was. And so um, it's, it's just so pitiful is what it is. But that's the passage this morning. I want to read to you this amazing, amazing passage. And and as we're dazzled by this passage when we come across it, I actually want to, I want us to step through this other passage that is so, so good that comes on the heels of it. And I believe it's a passage that really ought to drive and steer this resolution for West Bulls in 2022. So let me read this to you. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And in verse 14, here's this amazing passage. You hear a lot of people have this as a life verse as well. Here's what it says. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Now, that passage could be its own sermon, its own set of sermons. That's actually not what we're going to focus on. But I want us to get to this really, really good passage that comes right on the heels of it. In verse 16, and Kevin, I don't have this slide up, but I'm just going to read it and then we're going to walk through it. Verse 16 and 17 say, So, as in there's an implication. If Christ's love compels us, so, therefore, what? He says, from now on, we regard no one, no one. Sorry, Graham. I'm sorry. All right. (laughs) We regard no one from a worldly point of view. That was God just making a point there. All right. Uh, He goes on. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, even Christ, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. See, see how there's this amazing passage followed by this, this passage that's, in my mind, equally amazing. It is just so good. And I believe th- there's this resolution that comes out of that. You know, last year there was this underlying theme of connect with Jesus. And this year it's connect with people. Uh, it's a resolution for 2022 for us collectively to pursue people. And, and that has really been stirring in my heart as I've prayed and looked ahead to 2022 the last few months. And one of the reasons for that is because of where we've been the last couple years. You know, pursuing people has looked a lot different, hasn't it? Or maybe pursuing people has been absent, hasn't it? Because before we had this model that the way you pursue people is in person and the last two years through that completely up in the air. See, now you know if you're tuning in online. I've heard from many who tune in online that they'd love to be in person. But they're, finding, they're having to find different ways to connect with people. And yeah, there's social media, but when you try to reach out on social media, you know, it was intended to be this, this really great thing, I believe, when, when it came along. But as we've discovered the last two years, media has also itself gotten really, really social on there with some not-so-great messages, hasn't it? And it has divided people. And yet right here, Paul is reminding us that, yeah, we're in 2022, but there's still a mission. It's really the same mission Jesus gave us when he left the earth. Go into all the world and make disciples. 
And so Paul is saying, look, we regard nobody from a worldly point of view. Pursue people. Now, that's the resolution. If you showed up this morning to hear what the resolution was, that was it. You're free to like get up and go. But I believe as we walk through these, it's just two verses. But as you walk through these two verses, you know what you discover? There are like three obstacles in there. And Paul holds up this incredible thing for us to pursue. And then there are three obstacles that get in the way. I I want you to see something. The The first obstacle really has to do, if we were all to look within ourselves, our view of people. I mean, we all like to think that, oh yeah, people are great. You know, I can't remember who the quote was. They said, I love people until I get to the people part. You know, we all love the idea of, of pursuing people and going after people until we, we have, like, you know, flesh and blood in front of us. And then it's like we start finding things, don't we? Listen to what he says again. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. And there's another translation that says, according to the flesh. We regard no one with a worldly point of view, or according to the flesh. I mean, have you noticed, have you noticed the categories we come up with? Let me tell you what's, what's at work underneath the surface, or wants to be at work underneath the surface, inside every single one of us when we look at people. What they have, what they can do, what they can do for me, or us, and what they failed in, or how they failed. I mean, we set up these categories, don't we? I mean, we, we look at age, and we look at skin color, and we look at background. You know, we look at uh, how rich somebody is or how rich they appear, how they dress, what they drive, where they work, where they live, who they know. See, this is, this is a worldly point of view. And this is why in 1 Samuel chapter 16, we read that while the Lord looks at the heart, what do we do? We consider the outside appearance, don't we? I mean, if you were to be really, really honest in your really honest moments, we'll set up categories, and we're very creative at it. I mean, I've, I've come across some really creative categories lately. But nonetheless, it, it's according to the flesh. It's a worldly point of view. And, and this is what Paul said. You know, Paul talks about his former life and his former ways of being, and he talks about how he really just had no regard for Gentiles, for people that weren't Jews. And he had no regard for the Christians because he looked at everybody through this lens of how useful or or not useful they were. But then later in Galatians, as he wrote, you may remember this verse. He said, there is neither Greek nor Jew. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, that's a shift, isn't it? Paul's saying, you know that filter that I was using and that we all use, that's going away. See, now that you're in Christ, that filter, it just goes completely away. And and the interesting thing to me is I've thought about this and as I've experienced it and seen it, I mean, I'll talk with people about, you know, different um, concerns they have and, 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 and just the stuff that's weighing them down. And almost always there's some external division or category that we're pointed at. And the body of Christ, I believe, is the only place, I know it's the only place, where as long as we get focused on divisions of any kind, we're robbing ourselves. You rob the body and you rob yourself when you get focused on that view of people that just divides everybody up. 
Because for in Christ, we are all one in him, in his body. I was reminded, um, and, and I've talked about this a few times, the, the, I will be forever grateful to the friend of mine who brought me to this church. We were sophomores at Columbine High School in 1996, and Ryan Wellborn, I, was, I, was, I knew him before we were in high school together. In junior high, he was like my arch nemesis, okay? He was, I mean, there were sarcastic comments all the time, and, and it was just, the sight of him just drove me nuts. And we ended up in a class together our sophomore year at Columbine High School. And, you know, this is how it goes. If you've got an arch nemesis, God tends to, like, do this thing where he puts you in proximity with one another. So we get seated right next to each other. It's like, oh, this is going to be a long semester. So it was, like, second day of class this semester, U.S. history class. He's like, Nathan. And I'm trying to pay attention. He's like, Nathan. And I turn, and he folded, like, this this skin right here on his eyebrow and he took a safety pin and he just shoved it through the the fold of skin and then and then he looked at me he's like you want to come to youth group (laughs) I was like that is the most bizarre thing I have ever seen but I'm so intrigued yes I will come to youth group but as time went on I realized something had shifted in Ryan Wellborn And this guy that would just smart off to me all the time, and he had a mouth, and he would just, like, talk to everybody. And it was just, like, this sharp tongue when we were younger than that. I noticed, no matter where we went, I wasn't his crowd. I wasn't really one of his close friends. You know, I'd get get a phone call, because this was pre-cell phone days, everybody. Pre-pager days, even. But I'd get a call. He'd say, you want to come with us? You want to come with us? And I realized, oh my goodness, as I look back, here's somebody whose view of people, maybe not all people, but this person changed. It changed. And he no longer categorized me. He saw me spiritually. He saw me as somebody who had a need. What would it look like to view people with a spiritual need instead of, instead of a worldly point of view? Well, Paul goes on, and it actually highlights another view that can often get in our way of the pursuit of people. Listen to what he says. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, that is according to the flesh or a worldly point of view, we do so no longer. In other words, Paul did this even with Jesus. And I bet you know some people who view Jesus with a worldly point of view, don't you? In fact, you may have tried to have discussions with him. And maybe you just go in circles and it doesn't really get anywhere. For Paul, Paul looked at Jesus before Paul had his conversion. And he was just this rabbi who didn't follow the rules. And he made these blasphemous claims and he he had a, a group of followers that were just nobodies. And Paul really essentially felt like Jesus was out, was out to just trick people into following him. And so Paul, we, we learn in Acts chapter 8 and 9, he began to breathe out murderous threats toward the disciples of Christ. Because as he looked at them, all he saw was Jesus, this guy that didn't have it all together the way Paul did. Because Paul was educated. He says he was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. If anybody could follow the religion, it was Paul. And Jesus was just turning everything upside down. Every single thing was being turned upside down. And this is what it means when we read that Paul looked at Jesus from according to the flesh, according to a worldly perspective. Now, here's the thing that jumps out to me as I think about us today. 
is you could look around and it's not like you walk out these doors and everybody you know that's not in church or isn't a Christian hates Jesus. I mean, there's, there's a fair share of those that are hostile to Christianity in the world right now. But you know what we see in our world today? Especially we talked about this last summer, you know, with the rise of postmodernism, people tend to go, well, Jesus is a way. I just believe he's a way. He's one of the ways. But, but it's all these routes, they end at the same place. You know, they may think he's a great moral teacher. Maybe the, he accomplished and, and carried out some miracles. But he was, he was a good guy. He, he, was, he was a decent guy. See, some, some hate him. Some admire him. And some just consider him an option. And, and I love what this pastor, Tim Keller, in New York said. He said the moment that changed his life, it was this Sunday school teacher that he had in 1970. And this teacher in 1970, he said, okay, I want you to take the distance from the earth to the sun. $92 million. Uh, $92 million. Nine, that's how much it would, never mind. Okay. Uh, 92 million miles. He said, if you were to take that distance and, and bring it down to the thickness of a sheet of paper. So the thickness of one sheet of paper is the equivalent of 92 million miles. That teacher shared with this class back in 1970 that the distance from Earth to the nearest star would be a stack of those papers about 70 feet high. And the diameter of the galaxy would be a stack of papers about 310 miles high. And then he said this, and yet we know the galaxy is held together and is like a speck of dust held in God's hand, in Jesus' hand. And then he said this, is that somebody that you want to oppose or you only want to take advice selectively from. And Tim Keller said, that was all I needed. He is not a way. He is the way. He is the one who holds it all together. But see, a a skewed view of people, a skewed view of Jesus, you know what it'll do? It'll keep you from people. Well, Paul goes, and there's, there's one more. There's one more he gets to, and it's in verse 17. See, there's our view of people. There's our view of Jesus. But I think this is the one that as I talk, especially to people in our church, or as I talk to Christians in general, or as I reflect on my own personal journey, this one is the struggle. It's your view of you. Your view of you. What is your view of you? Here's what Paul says. Therefore, if anyone, anyone, that would include you and that would include me, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Let me ask you, do you believe that? I mean, as you think about it, do you believe that? Do you believe that a new creation has come? The old is gone, the new is here, if you've trusted your life over to Jesus and what he did there at the cross. Do you believe that? See, that's hard, isn't it? It's hard because I've found that two excuses tend to rise up inside of us. One is, I don't need it. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I'm a good person. You know, I haven't done what, what some people have done. I haven't murdered, or I haven't, you know, we'll fill in the blanks. I haven't done any of that stuff, so I'm a good person. I, I, don't, need, I, I don't need that extreme. But the other excuse that comes up is 
it's not enough. And people don't use those words, but I've spent too much of my life looking in the mirror, staring at my sin. Uh, Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher, you know what he said? He said, to sit and brood and stare at one's sin is itself a further sin because it stands in front of the cross and it looks at Jesus and it says, that's not enough. Now, that's a horrifying thought to have, isn't it? I mean, none of us would stand in front of the cross and declare that as Jesus is crucified in front of us. And yet, this is what we do. When I choose to stare at my sin over and over and over and not trust that that, that act on the cross that Jesus carried out forgave it, you know what we're saying? It's not enough. And so we, we form these views of ourselves. And, and it doesn't always help. You know, when we're presented with the gospel, it really doesn't help at first. It doesn't sound like good news. Because you know what the gospel says? It says, hey, your sin, it's horrible. It's horrible. And we get caught right there. A lot of people that don't embrace Christianity, they get caught right there. They, they hear your sin is horrible. And it's true. But the good news of the gospel says your sin is horrible and you are valuable. Your sin is horrible and you are valuable. So if you're God, think about this. What do you do? What do you do? God had to have made a choice. He had to have, make a, you know, to have made a choice. The sin is horrible, and the one I created is valuable. So what did he do? He said, I'll deal with the sin and the one I created, and I'll pay the price. And so he sent his son. And he dealt with the sin, and he dealt with our hearts. But see, that's something that gets so lost when we start going, oh, I'm not that bad, or I'm so bad. I'm so terrible. Just think about the one who's writing this passage, that the old is gone and the new has come. It's Paul. Okay, have you ever thought about Paul's story? You know, if you don't know it, I'll summarize it. Paul, before he was Paul, as we know him, writing so much of the New Testament, he was known as Saul. And Saul was really, he went out to just persecute the Christians. You know, he'd knock at the door and he'd have Christians dragged out and thrown into prison. And as he pursued the Christians, what happened was suddenly he got, he got knocked down one day. He gets knocked down and he's blinded and this voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he answered, who are you? He said, this is Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And I'm sure Saul in his mind thought, I, I thought you were dead. And, and I'm sure, I, Luke didn't write this in Acts, but I'm sure Jesus said, no, you were wrong. I'm alive. I'm very much alive. And then you know what Jesus did? He said, I want you to go into the town. He's been blinded. Saul's been blinded. You're going to be led to the town, and then you'll be given instructions on what to do. Meanwhile, you know what Jesus is up to? Jesus is talking to somebody in the town about Paul. It's a man named Ananias. And he says, Ananias, there's a guy coming to you. And he's been given a vision that he's going to come to you. And Ananias, as he's wondering who it is, he says, it's Saul. And you know when you try to give God advice, this is what Ananias does. Ananias is like, okay, so you know what he's doing, right, Lord? That he's been persecuting us. And he says, basically, do what I tell you. Because he's going to find out how much he has to suffer for my name. But what he didn't say in that moment was how much love he had 
for Paul as well. And that love would come through Ananias just a little bit later. Because when Saul came through his doors and Ananias placed his hands on him and prayed, do you know the first word out of Ananias' mouth? Brother. Brother. This one who was so sure Saul would kill him as soon as he got into a room with him, and he told the Lord that, instead what comes out of Ananias' mouth? Brother. What would it look like to look at every single person in our lives through the lens of a spiritual need? Because that's what Ananias discovered in that conversation with the Lord and in that conversation with Saul. He saw him with all new eyes. And you know what it enabled him to do? To call him by something he never could have called him before. Brother. Brother. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. When your view of people and your view of Jesus and your view of yourself shifts, then you know what? Those divisions fall away. And you can begin to live out this resolution, compelled by the love of Christ, to pursue people. But how do you view you? I mean, I flash back to, um, it was junior high summers. I remember junior high summers, okay? And, and maybe some of you had this. You know, mom and dad were working all day, and, and so I just had to get creative. You know, when you're home alone in junior high, and so I became incredible, like I became a top-notch chef when it came to ramen. I mean, I was amazing at making ramen. I have, I think I still have like 12 different variations I can make, you know. Or uh, those Totino's pizzas, you can get them for like a dollar. Super high-quality stuff, okay. Um, So ramen, Totino's pizzas, but you know what else my summers were filled with? Days of our lives, yep. I am not ashamed to say it. Days of our lives. I still remember, this was 28 years ago, okay? I still remember the drama between Stefan and Marlena, okay? In, in Days of Our Lives. I can't believe I still remember those names, but I do, okay? And it had everything to do with my view of myself, you know? I'd look around and think, yeah, this is, this is my life. You know, they'd go to commercial break, I'd do some push-ups, you know, get ready for high school kind of thing. And I just thought, man, that, that is the existence we will settle for if we don't take on a different view of ourselves. Because when you live that way, when you live with a skewed view of yourself, you really settle. We all settle. And so here's what I want to get at. Remember that amazing verse that we talked about at the beginning? Let me, let me just read you the first few words of it again. <clears throat> For Christ's love compels us, compels us. And if you were to look at another translation, that word that says compels, you know what another word for it is? Constrains us. Constrains us. You know what that insinuates? The removal of something. Perhaps the greatest thing you and I could do is to make an internal decision to remove our view of people, our views of Jesus that we've had, our views of ourselves, in order to have those replaced by his view of people, by Jesus' view of, obviously, that he gives us of himself, and his view of ourselves. See, there is a correlation. There is a correlation between your, how you view and how you pursue. 
And you got to know that. If you view people through your lens, Jesus through your lens, yourself through your lens, then your pursuit of people, it's, it's going to be very comfortable. It's going to be what's comfortable for you. But there's a higher calling than that. There really is. I'll end with this. Last night, um, I, I had the, the privilege of doing a, a wedding for two that were in our youth group for years, and they were youth leaders for quite a while. And uh, as, as I did this wedding, um, there were some from youth group years ago that were in attendance there. And I just, I came back to this conversation that my wife and I have from time to time. Um, and it all started years ago. You know, I got approached for like three years straight to work with junior hires here at the church. And all I can remember is junior high was the worst 10 years of my life, okay? And it wasn't, it, it was just two years that felt like 10, okay? But I just remember thinking, no, I'm not doing that. Ryan Long, three years straight, you want to work with junior hires? No, Ryan, leave me alone. No, I don't want to do it. Then, no, no, no. And then all it took was one night. I walked in on a Sunday night. My wife was already working with junior hires, and she said, just try it one night. I walked in one night, and suddenly that was all God needed. You know, there was this, I, I had this view of me that I had nothing to bring to the table. There was nothing I could do that would speak into their lives, none of it. And then one year became two years, and two years became three, and then it became, it just kept going, and it kept going. And then it was working with high schoolers as well. And now I, I'm telling you, every single time that I get a chance to connect with those, those ones who we first connected with in junior high, in a different season of life now, all that Kara and I can think, and it's usually through tears, is what if we hadn't? What if we hadn't? What if I'd held to this view of what I wanted to have about me and about people and about Jesus? What if I hadn't? And as I drove home last night, I thought, oh, what if I hadn't? What if I hadn't removed that view that I wanted to hold on to so much for a better view? You know what happened? You lose the capacity to pursue people. I look around now, Graham. Hannah, junior high, right? We got to connect in junior high, and, and now it's like, what, we're, we're like 70 now? Anyway, uh, anyway, you know, and here's Graham up here. I could just point and point and point to all the different people. There's a section over here filled with youth leaders that we met in junior high, and I just thought, I remember looking at you guys in junior high going, Ugh, no, no. <laughs> and so, West Bulls, as we look forward at 2022, we're going to look at some aspects of what it looks like to pursue people. It is not always glamorous, but we do that as a body. I know you can't do it on your own. That's why Jesus gave us a body, because he knew, and Paul knew, that there is a correlation between how you view and how you pursue people. And so with that in mind, as the worship team comes back up, let me pray and we will dive into a new series next week. I hope you'll join us. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. for it's, There's one word for it. It's amazing. It's two words for it. Amazing grace. Lord, that you would have the grace upon us that as we hold to our views of people, of you, of ourselves, thank you for the reminder you gave us through Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we are compelled by your love to go. 
and to pursue people. And so whatever views we have in place, whether they've been there for years or it's, it's new ones that threaten your view of us, Lord, would you deal with those in our hearts? Because before we go out these doors and take any action, something has to happen at the heart level. And we know only you have the power to do it. We cannot willpower our way through it. It's got to be you. And so, Lord, in the way only you can do, illuminate some things to every single person in here, every single person watching online. Illuminate attitudes and, and, and those things, those narratives in our hearts that need adjusted, that need to be placed in the light of your love that compels us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.